0: The broad road is where you get to choose, where you say, here's what is going to define my moral choices. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let anybody else tell me what to do. Here's what I believe I ought to do and what I ought to be. And that's what I'm going to do. And nobody else is going to tell me anything. That's the broad way.
1: Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor teacher at Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas. I'm Bill Wright, and Tom is continuing his current series titled, Two Gates, One Decision. We're examining the warnings given by Christ Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 to avoid at all costs the so-called spiritual path that will end up leading to destruction. How can you tell the difference? Well, on today's program, Tom will look at some of the ways many people are deceived into thinking they're on the narrow path that leads to life when they're actually following a path that leads to spiritual death. The challenge for you today is to take this warning to heart and to examine carefully which path you are currently on. Open your Bible now and let's join Tom Pennington with today's message on the Word Unleashed.
0: A couple of years ago, I read... uh of an article in a British newspaper. It was reported that a Swiss van driver, just driving the family van, had just really purchased a GPS. This is when they were just becoming mainstream, and he'd purchased a GPS for his van, and he had managed to get himself completely lost after his GPS sent him up a remote mountain footpath. This is what the article said, driver Robert Ziegler, 37, found himself stranded near the peak at Bergen, Switzerland, unable to go forward or to turn around and go back the same way he came. Rescue workers scrambled a heavy lifting helicopter to carry the van and its driver to safety after he dialed for help on his mobile phone. The driver told police I was lost, and I kept hoping that each little turn would get me back to the main road. In the end, it told me, that is, the GPS told me to turn around, but of course, by then, I couldn't. A fire brigade spokesman explained, he claims he didn't see any footpath signs, but he must have been a pretty good driver to get that far up a glorified goat track, end quote. quote. It's quite an interesting picture, actually, this van stuck on this steep mountain path. While that's one of the more dramatic examples, and we've all read about them, in this digital age, it has become increasingly common for people to get on the wrong road and end up at the wrong destination. Maybe you've had that experience with your GPS device The same thing often happens in the spiritual world with far more tragic results. People start off at the wrong place, they follow the wrong road, and someday they arrive at a terribly wrong destination. That is the exact warning that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 7. Now last week we began to study the conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is his application of the sermon to his disciples. It's also an invitation to those who aren't his disciples to become so. But it is in addition a warning. It's a warning to those who think they are Jesus' disciples but may in fact not be. In fact, Jesus warns us in the concluding verses of this sermon in Matthew chapter 7 that there are three dangers that can keep a person from entering his kingdom at all, even when they think they are. The first danger is the danger of finding the wrong entrance. This is described in verses 13 to 14. The wrong entrance into his kingdom the second danger comes in verses 15 to 20. It's the danger of false teachers. And the false teachers are the ones who point to the wrong entrance. The third danger comes in verses 21 to 27 of Matthew 7. And it's the danger of a false profession. This is a person who understands who Jesus really is, who really understands the true gospel, and who professes to be a follower of Christ, but in fact is not. Their profession is not matched by a life of following Jesus Christ. Those are the dangers that Jesus warns us of for all who have attached themselves in some way to him. Now today, I want us to conclude our study of the first of those dangers, the danger of finding the wrong entrance. Jesus describes this in just two amazing verses, Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. Hear what our Lord says to us. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. In those two brief verses, Jesus describes the spiritual journey of every person who has ever lived or who ever will live the spiritual journey of every person on this planet at this moment, of every person in this room. In fact, let's be clear, in those two verses, your spiritual journey is described, and mine as well. Now, in these two verses, there are a series of contrasts. Notice, first of all, there are two gates. Secondly, there are two paths. Thirdly, there are two destinations And finally, there are two crowds. Now, last time, we studied the first of those contrasts, the contrast between two gates. These two gates represent the two entry points, or I should say they represent entry points to two spiritual pathways that lead either to eternal life or to destruction. These are the two possible starting places from which to begin your spiritual journey. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you started at one of these two places. The first gate Jesus describes as the wide gate. Notice verse 13. For the gate is wide that leads to destruction. As we discovered last week, Jesus describes this as a massive, wide gate, like the gate you would find leading into the capital city of one of the great ancient empires, Because there are many different ways you can walk through that gate. We talked about some of them last week. You can walk through this gate just by being indifferent and apathetic to spiritual things. Just not caring. Whatever. I'm here because I have to be here. I don't really care. If that's your attitude, you've entered the wide gate. You can get there through human philosophies and ideologies. Just embrace the thinking of our times and you've passed through the wide gate. False religion is part of that wide gate. Even a corruption of the true faith, the true gospel, and a distortion of the true Christ is a way through the wide gate. The cults that are connected to Christianity, the false gospels that are taught in some branches of Christianity, that's part of the wide gate that leads to destruction. But you can even make a false profession of the true Christ and the true gospel and... You've walked through the wide gate, as we will see when we get later in this chapter. So the wide gate, then, is really every entry point except the right one. And the right one, Jesus describes here, notice the second gate as the narrow gate. Verse 14, the gate is small, literally narrow, that leads to life. This is a very small gate. Gate, a very small entrance point. The narrow gate is the entry point to Jesus' spiritual kingdom. If you want into the spiritual kingdom over which Jesus rules, there is only a very small way to get in. This is the the entry point to salvation, to spiritual rescue from the penalty of your sins. This is the entry point to forgiveness. This is the entry point to a relationship with God. This is the entry point to eternal life. It is very, very narrow. Now, why does Christ describe the entry point to those wonderful spiritual realities as narrow? Well, again, we saw this last time. It's narrow because the entrance is hard to find. Notice the end of verse 14. Few find it. Satan has done a masterful job of hiding the real entrance in the clutter of all the false gates. All the wrong ways to pursue a relationship with God. It's hard to find. Secondly, it's hard to fit through. Once you understand where it is, what it is, it's hard to fit through. And we we talked about what we meant by that. Because only one person can go through at a time. Listen, this gate is very narrow. You cannot go through it with your parents. Your parents' faith won't get you into Jesus' spiritual kingdom. Your spouse's faith won't get you into Jesus' spiritual kingdom. It's a narrow gate only one person goes through at a time. This is a decision you have to make. It also doesn't allow any baggage. In other words, you can't go through this gate carrying your own personal works and your own personal merit and the things that are going to make you acceptable to God. You have to come in like the first beatitude as a beggar in spirit. You've got to drop the baggage to get through the gate. You have to trust the right person. Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There aren't many different ways to God. You have to come through the right person. And Jesus said, I'm it. There is no other way. You also have to believe the right gospel. You see, there are plenty of false gospels out there. Paul talks about them in Galatians 1 and other places. There are false teachers selling wrong ways to be made right with God. You've got to believe. The one, as Paul says, the one I preach to you. The one that's contained in the pages of this book. The gospel that says that Jesus was God's Son who came and took on flesh, who lived a perfect life, and then who died a sacrificial death on the cross in order to satisfy the wrath of God against the sins of everyone who would ever believe. And the only way that can be yours is by repenting of your rebellion against God, laying down your rebellion And submitting yourself to him and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. You have to believe the right gospel. That's the one, Paul says, which was preached to you. But not only is the entrance hard to fit through, it's also hard to accept. Because it runs contrary to our natures. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. That doesn't sit well with any of us, naturally. In fact, the only reason we would ever go through this gate is because God is at work in our hearts. If you chose to walk through this gate, it's because God in his grace was doing a gracious work in your life. So the two gates are two entry points to two entirely different spiritual journeys. And one of those journeys ends at destruction and the other journey ends in life. The only entry point that leads to eternal life is Jesus Christ and the gospel he taught. Listen to me carefully. Every other gate, without exception, leads to destruction. That's what Jesus said. Now, today, we come to the second contrast in this passage. That was all review. Let's pick up where we left off. And this next contrast is a contrast between two ways. Two ways. Notice verse 13. The first way is referred to in this way. The gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. The second way is identified in verse 14. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. Two different ways. One broad, one narrow. Now, the word that's translated way in both cases is a very common word in the Scripture. It's a word that's often used to refer to a literal path or a literal road or highway. When it's used metaphorically, as it is here, it refers to a course of life, to a way of living. In other words, it refers to a person's lifestyle. When you walk down the same path again and again as we do in our habits each day we form a pathway, we form ruts and in biblical terms that way describes your lifestyle how you live day after day so the two gates then picture two points of entry the two ways picture two distinct lifestyles the two entirely different ways of living to which each of these gates open now first of all Notice there's the broad way. The broad way. Jesus says, the wide gate opens into a broad road. The word broad means that which has ample room. It refers to that which is spacious and roomy. Jesus was almost certainly referring to some of those international highways that passed through Israel in the first century. If you're familiar with the geography of the Middle East, you know that in the ancient world you wanted to avoid travel by sea, so you wanted to travel by land. But if you wanted to travel between the three continents of the ancient world, you had to travel through that little narrow bridge of land that we call Israel, because the Mediterranean was on one side, the Sahara Desert on the other. You had to travel through that little bridge of land. That's why it was so strategically located for God's people passing through Israel in the time of Christ, there were a couple of international highways. Don't think like major freeways like you and I have, but for their time, they were broad, massive roads. That's what Jesus is talking about here. For us, to sort of put it in the 21st century context, I want you to think for a moment about the widest freeway you've ever been on. Maybe it was 10 lanes, maybe it was 12 lanes, maybe it was 18 lanes, But imagine that freeway for a moment with no markings, no lines, and no median. I've been on roads like that in certain parts of the world, and no rules, I might add. And when you're on a wide road like that, without lane markings, there is a lot of room for you to make choices. There's a lot of latitude about which specific course you choose. You see, the broad way pictures a way of living, a lifestyle that is completely personally comfortable and not confining. Charles Quarles, one commentator, puts it this way, a wide road allows plenty of room for weaving back and forth and it provides a vivid picture of a lifestyle with few moral constraints. The wide road offers enough moral latitude, here's the key, that each person can do what is right in his own eyes. In other words, what makes the Broadway appealing is that you get to choose your own route. You get to choose your own path. Now, the moment I hear that, my mind goes to the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 53. You remember that indictment of all of humanity, of all of us? Here's how he describes human sinfulness he says, All of us, that's everybody here, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. The image is, here's a path that's been laid out by the word of God. And we are to follow our shepherd on that path that's delineated by the scripture. But we don't follow our creator who has written his law in our hearts, who's given us his law. Instead, like sheep who refuse to follow their shepherd, we have gone astray. We've left the path. And then he says, each of us. That's now not talking about us as a group, but individually. You, me, each of us has turned to his own way. That's the essence of human sinfulness. We've chosen to do it our way, what we want. In other words, the broad road is where you get to choose, where you say, here's what is going to define my moral choices. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let anybody else tell me what to do. Here's what I believe I ought to do and what I ought to be. And that's what I'm going to do. And nobody else is going to tell me anything. That's the broad way. It feels like freedom. But the freedom of the broad way is deceptive. You know, when we're pursuing our sin, we think we're free. We're not free. Listen to how Jesus described it in John 8, verse 34. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who is committing sin as a pattern is a slave of sin. You're not free. Jesus says you're a slave. You're a slave to those patterns of sin. In other words, if you're on the broad road, you may feel free, but it is actually free. Slavery masquerading as freedom. Now Jesus contrasts the broad way where I get to choose what I want to do with notice the narrow way. Verse 14. The way is narrow that leads to life. Jesus says the narrow gate opens onto a narrow path. It's interesting. The Greek words for narrow gate and for narrow way are not the same word for narrow. The word used here to describe the narrow way literally means to press against. It means to be constricted, to be pressed together. It's used when the crowd pressed in on Jesus where it was really almost a threat to his physical safety. It's the opposite of spacious. It is cramped, it is tight, it is congested. In other words, in contrast to that broad highway, that interstate highway, Jesus is here describing a tiny mountain path, hardly wide enough for one person to walk at a time. It's claustrophobic, it's confining, it's uncomfortable. Now, think about what Jesus is saying. He is saying that is exactly like the path, the lifestyle, That eventually leads to life. It is cramped. It is narrow. Now what is this? What does Jesus mean by that? Some have taught that the narrowness of the path here refers to the persecution of believers. They quote Acts 14.22 where Paul says through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And it's possible. I mean earlier in this sermon Jesus has talked about believers being persecuted back in chapter 5 verses 10 to 12. Certainly, we will face persecution. But I don't think that's what Jesus primarily means here, nor do most commentators. It's far more likely in this context that Jesus is referring to the straight path that he's just laid out for us in this sermon. It's interesting, even in the Old Testament, the law of God is described as a narrow path. And the godly are supposed to walk on that path without doing what? Turning either to the left or to the right. That's what Jesus is talking about here. The narrow path of Matthew 7 is the path of obedience to Jesus Christ. The way to life is fenced in on each side by obedience to what Christ taught. It's appropriate, isn't it? I mean, the Christian life, if you're in Christ, your Christian life began with your responding to that simple command of Christ that you heard in the gospel, follow me. That's where it started. That's where your spiritual journey began. Well, that's what the narrow path is all about. It's about continuing to follow Jesus in the sense of obeying what he has said we are to do. John Stott remarks of this narrow way. Its boundaries are clearly marked. Its narrowness is due to something called divine revelation which restricts pilgrims to the confines of what God has revealed in Scripture to be true and good. That revealed truth imposes a limitation on what Christians may believe and on how we may behave. Now don't misunderstand. Nobody ever earns heaven by their obedience. Salvation is a free gift of the grace of God given to sinners. But if you have experienced that free gift, if you have received that free gift, if you are on the path that leads to life, then you will be described by, recognized by a desire deep in your soul to obey and follow Jesus Christ. Is there anything more important to me than following and obeying Jesus Christ? Because that's what defines a follower of Jesus. That's what defines a Christian. The narrow road really represents the path of sanctification. And on this way, on this path, unlike the broad road where you get to decide a lot about what you do and how you live and what you want to do, in this case, Jesus sets the limits. It's narrow, it's confined, it's restricted by His commands. D.A. Carson writes God's way is not spacious. But confining. Poverty of spirit, it's not easy. Prayer, not easy. Righteousness, not easy. Transformed, God centered attitudes are not easily achieved. In fact, these things are impossible for us apart from God's grace, they are alien to much of what is in us. You see, the footpath to heaven is extremely narrow. It is defined on both sides by our Lord's commands to us. And if you're in Christ, that's the path you're on.
1: That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with Part 3 of his current series, Two Gates, One Decision. Tom will bring you Part 4 on our next broadcast as he once again takes us to God's Word. And we do hope you'll join us then. Well, we'd like you to know that Tom has a new book out titled The God Who Hears, A Book of Pastoral Prayers. It features 31 scripture readings and accompanying pastoral prayers. Tom's book is available for purchase right now online at thewordunleashed.org. As always, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the org. Again, that's listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at one eight seven seven five seven seven word And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting the Again, that's the And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.